This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and as always, welcome to our show. And we really are in South Florida, a little bit beyond our normal home. Where, uh, it's a field trip. Yeah, a bit of a field trip. That's how I referred to it on Twitter, and I, I think that's the appropriate way to call it. Uh, we are in Broward County. We are in uh, Fort Lauderdale, because tonight was a major town hall meeting. Uh, for FXE Football, which we have learned over the past month, is one of two rival plans considering redevelopment of Lockhart Stadium, which is, which was at one point the crown jewel of soccer in South Florida and has in the last few years become a bit of a eyesore, for lack of a better term, unfortunately. Uh, and, good, good, ha- good habitat for the iguanas, but not much yes. else. Yeah, more of a nature preserve <laughs> uh, than a soccer stadium. Uh, and so FXE Football... Um, while they are the, uh, the, the older of the two proposals, they're the most recently known of the two proposals because Inter-Miami CF uh, released its proposal uh, late last month to the city commission attempting to uh, gin up some support. Um, as we learned tonight, we're recording on the evening of February 20th, um, FXE football had been either indirectly or directly associated with a football proposal here in Broward for two years, but had not made its plans public. And basically was kind of uh, forced to, I don't want to say rush, because uh, according to the managing partner, John Raynal, basically they, they rushed two weeks. It wasn't that much of a rush job to get their proposal out, but it does create this kind of dueling banjos dynamic with two different proposals, with two different visions for the land. Uh, Lee, you were there taking pictures, covering it alongside me. Uh, what are your immediate reactions from the FXE proposal? Well, I mean, I don't want to get down the cliche of David versus Goliath, because I don't think it's... Um I don't think it's quite accurate, but the FXE proposal is interesting for me because, as you know, I'm a fan of the independent soccer, and I think the more variety of diverse soccer we have down here, the better. There's this, there's this feeling I have that Inter Miami CF want to come on here and squash down everything, and I think that's kind of been borne out by the fact that they want to take over Lockhart and uh, do their thing. The FXE proposal, um, you know, is going to maintain a lot of um, Lockhart in its current form. A little bit of updating. It's going to have community fields, um, golf if you're into that kind of thing. Um, but I felt there was two things that I I really did buy into the authenticity and the honesty about it. I think that I, I think that they genuinely intend to do what they want to do. Whether they will be successful doing that. I'm not so sure, and I think that's going to be proven by you know further down the road. But um, but I think it's a good, solid proposal. There's nothing in there that I think is pie in the sky or anything like that. Um, and it's you know it's 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 got legs. It's uh, it's it's a it's a really good deal for Lockhart, I think, and that's the best thing for me. I think that's the, to to me the most exciting thing of all this is that Lockhart Stadium, one way or the other, unless there's another proposal mm-hmm. that comes forward that ha- doesn't have anything to do with soccer. Um, Lockhart is going to be restored at least in some form to what it should be which is an excellent venue for American football and especially for soccer Um, 
because that's what it should be. And, you know, even as a, we are Miami-focused, we are Miami residents, but in if you came up watching soccer in South Florida, odds are you watched it at Lockhart. Whether it's the Strikers, the old NASL or the ASL or wherever they landed up, the more recent NASL version, Lockhart is South Florida soccer. The Miami Fusion played at Lockhart uh, before they folded. So that place has an important historic connection to the sport here, and it's one of the few things that we actually have history for when it comes to soccer in South Florida. So I think it it deserves and it should be renovated. Um, we were able to speak to John Reynal, and we're going to play um, his interview with us, which I thought was really illuminating. I thought he had a really good personality for what he's proposing, um, some, some interesting reactions to his how he perceived the Beckham uh, proposal uh, immediately after and then uh, in later days uh, and so we're going to hear more from his perspective Lee and I asking him some questions uh, but that that will be a really interesting development to see which direction does the city of Fort Lauderdale want to go in this redevelopment does it want to attach itself to major league soccer or as Lee you, you mentioned do you want to kind of genetically diversify do you want to open up the, the gene pool here and instead of throwing everything on a major league soccer or what is now NPSL with Miami United and Miami FC, do you want to incorporate another soccer league and kind of give yourself a little more variety? Yeah, exactly. And I think the fact that it's USL Championship as well, Matt, um, you know, wouldn't that be kind of great if we did have like the MLS franchise, uh, the, the, the USL Championship? You know, we do still have FC Miami City in the USL system as well, a lower level. And then what, um, the, what the two Miamis are doing, you know, Miami United and Miami FC. So, that gives you choice and you know a lot of people may be behind the Inter Miami project at the moment but um, but they're still not playing any soccer so mm. it's, uh, you know you never know what's down the line so yeah I mean and I think in Fort Lauderdale has that history of that D2 franchise in the USL um, in the NASL before um, and I think that picking up where they left off and doing it better might not be such a bad idea yeah, I, I think that uh, the the FXE proposal definitely would appear to be closer to what the roots of soccer in Fort Lauderdale are. Whereas, you know, not to say it's a past versus the future, because what is past can be future. Again, certainly, um, you know, uh, kind of a twice-in-a-lifetime situation to borrow from New York Cosmos fans. Um, but it, it is, I, I'm taken by the fact that, and I, I, you'll hear it in the interview, the FXE proposal for Lockhart and the Inter-Miami proposal for Lockhart are very different. The FXE proposal for Fort Lauderdale and the Inter-Miami proposal for Miami are very similar. It's creating a stadium, it's creating an entertainment and retail space, it's creating park space. And so I think that one advantage that FXE will have is basically being able to point at the Fort Lauderdale City Commission and saying, hey, you know what their big proposal is? It's our proposal. They're very similar. And so if they think that's the best proposal for their land, why wouldn't you think that's the best proposal for your land? Uh, and I, I think that can be a compelling argument. Yeah, definitely. And, and again, we're going to play the interview. And um, another thing that I personally found very interesting was uh, was when John and Reynal said that um, there's, there is kind of an arrogance around uh, Inter-Miami CF. And I think in some ways, you know, that arrogance um, you know, is something that will turn people on to that whole project because people in Miami want to be associated with whatever is biggest and best. But that comes back around to my point. It's like that's not going to work for everyone. So you know, it's 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 interesting that, that that there's a bit more of a humility about this proposal, a bit more of a 
let's talk to the people who were here before let's talk to you know let's talk to speak to the history of this of this club and 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 see how we can do it better and see how we can make it a success and what can they do creatively their idea about revenue streams you know it's 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 two very different proposals and that's what makes it such a exciting and interesting and difficult choice for the city of Fort Lauderdale you know Lee I actually I actually like that you brought up that point regarding the idea of arrogance because that was mentioned by John Raynell in our interview and I do think that Inter Miami as a team kind of needs to in, ingrain in itself arrogance because that is the. I, I the, see why. I definitely you, see you know what why. I mean? yeah. they, it, yeah. that, it, it shouldn't be a home because Miami as a cornerstone of what MLS should become, that there should be some arrogance built in now. Now, based on their experience the last five years, there should maybe be a teaspoon of humility too, <laughs> and we'll see. It, yeah. We'll see if that 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 kind of streak continues. Um, with this proposal, but I do agree that in Fort, Fort Lauderdale is not Miami, and even though you can drive between one to the other in 45 minutes, they are separate, distinct metropolitan areas. And so, because of that, I think that a different approach might be uh, a successful one. We're going to pause on the FXE football talk because, again, we will come back with our interview with John right now in just a couple minutes, but we do kind of want to recap the other goings on around town. You mentioned the two Miamis, Miami United, Miami FC. They are gearing up for the start of the NPSL season. Miami uh, United have that friendly arranged with, I believe, wasn't it? M- Tagua, um, I think it was from Honduras. Yes, so, so they're doing another one of those fun nights, and I think that's a pretty good strategy. You know, who knows how many people might come back and check out a game, but it works for them, and no one else in the city is doing it. Miami FC is not doing it, um, so it's um, yeah, it's that's that's happening again. That 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 came out quite recently. Yeah, Noche Hondureña. I I would say you're a pronunciation of Matagua. Was about as good as you could do. I, I had to pull it up to make sure I was getting it as close as possible with my gringo accent. Um, but yeah, that seems to be where Miami United is heading in terms of their preseason schedule, and I think it's a big winner. I, the Peñarol game was dynamite, and if you are a South Florida fan of Peñarol, there's no reason why you wouldn't come back to see a Miami United game because you can bring some of that energy with you. Um, Miami FC um, is uh, starting its preseason schedule. Big win against Orlando City B. Uh, uh, up in uh, at Mount Verde Academy, um, a 4-0 win. Uh, they're going to be playing Hartford United up in Sarasota, Bradenton area um, later this month. I believe uh, it was Melbourne. Oh, did I was say it? did I say Sarasota? Yeah, I think, I okay, think, yeah, yeah. So I'll double check that, but I trust Lee more than I trust myself that's, that's on this. That's why you're one. a history teacher, not yes, a geography teacher. Exactly. <laughs> um, so again, uh, an opportunity for friendly to get the club warmed up a little bit. Um, that will be an interesting development. Again, it's exciting that we're actually playing games. And and yeah, and, and Miami FC now have a schedule. We have, we have a schedule. Yay. We know when we're playing teams. Um, you know, it's the the club assigns take season memberships on board. The whole Barry University thing has been um, you know totally broken. We broke it, and then it's been confirmed on the NPSL schedule. And you know, a lot of soccer fans have been to that facility as well because there's. When these big teams come in in the summer, that's sometimes where they train. They have Absolutely. open training sessions. It's grass again, which is good. Mm-hmm. I'll miss I'll miss the Bob a little bit because the Bob has all those great memories inside it. But you know we, we you know we're moving on again. But Barry is a great facility, so that's going to be uh, that's going to be interesting, and it's not that far away. 
It's getting closer and closer all the time. Yes, eventually they're going to be playing in Lee's backyard because uh, it's kind of inching back down <laughs> yeah, right. towards towards. They're going to build my own modular <laughs> stadium. <laughs> yes, inching back down towards City of Miami proper. Just to confirm, Lee had it right on the money. As I said, I trust him when it comes to Miami FC info. I trust him with my life. <laughs> it's the Titan Soccer Complex in Melbourne, 4 p.m. this Saturday against Hartford Athletic. Uh, that again, another opportunity to kind of see the squad. Uh, face off and play before they hit the MPSL calendar. Um, last bit of news, I think, before we dive into the interview. Something we give a little bit of coverage here, uh, but, you know, uh, credit to the Miami Herald. Uh, they do an excellent job of covering high school sports uh, in their sports section. And so uh, our kind of preview of this involves a lot of links to Herald coverage, but there are three Miami-Dade-based high schools wow. competing for boys' soccer titles starting tomorrow, which if you're listening the on the 21st, yes, if you're listening on the 21st, uh, that's when it kicks off. Um, I think one of the better uh, one of the better results for uh, Miami-Dade in terms of producing teams that are competing, there are only five state titles to compete for, and Miami-Dade could potentially walk away with three of them. Uh, on the girls' side, 2018 was that kind of year where we sent uh, two clubs um, out of five, when we, I think in the previous five years, we'd only sent two clubs combined. Um, so 2019 does appear to be a bumper crop. Uh, that's going to start off with Palmer Trinity against Shorecrest Preparatory School of St. Petersburg, uh, Thursday at 4 p.m. Uh, good luck to those boys. Immaculata LaSalle will uh, face off at 7 p.m. on Thursday against Orlando Lake Highland Prep. And on Saturday, the, the 5A, the big boys, the big schools, um, Felix Varela, which, on, Felix Varela. <laughs> which has a bit of history. Uh, Luchi Gonzalez, the new manager of um, FC Dallas uh, of Major League Soccer, um, previously coached Varela in 2008 when they won a state title and were named the best high school program in the country. Even Felix Varela himself sounds like a great Argentinian playmaker, doesn't he? Really does. Felix Varela on the ball. Come really on, does. Felix Varela. <laughs> so um, uh, Varela will be hoping to win their first title since. Uh, I'm a fan already. I'm going to get a scarf now. I know. You really need to. The <laughs> the Vipers, the mighty Vipers the of Vipers. Varela. Oh, that's even I know. better. Pretty solid name. Wow. Um, yeah, so uh, Varela will be going and trying to hope to get that title against Lake Mary their first title since 2008 so obviously uh, you know our editorial position here pro miami soccer so we want three for three boys up there in deland uh so go ahead and bring back the titles um <laughs> that's okay that's officially my cue to wrap this up and send it to the interview when, I when, think. The, when the dad jokes start yes. it's time to stop the it's, it's time to stop the podcast it's time for me to show myself the door um so again uh do stay tuned uh, a very good conversation, a very interesting conversation with a man who's very interested in bringing Fort Lauderdale soccer to Fort Lauderdale uh, Stadium and uh, Lockhart Stadium site located next to Fort Lauderdale Executive Airport. Uh, it's me and Lee with John Ray now. Uh, I'll sign off proper at the end of the interview, but, you know, go Miami soccer. Uh, this is Magic City Soccer. I'm Matthew Bunch here sitting with John P. Raynal. Uh, co-founder and CEO of Onside LLC uh, and managing partner of FXE Football LLC, uh, which is one of the two competing bids to uh, renovate and redevelop the Lockhart Stadium uh, and Fort Lauderdale Stadium site next to Fort Lauderdale Executive Airport. Um, obviously, it's been there are always a billion soccer stories in South Florida, uh, and this has been arguably in the last month the leading one. Uh, so, Mr. Renau, um, you had talked about in the town hall uh, why this project matters to you. Your involvement in soccer has been pretty deep, you know, for, for, for a long time. 
Um, for our listeners in Dade County, we're Dade mm-hmm. County focused, but obviously we have some listeners in Broward too. For for people interested in South Florida soccer, what do you think this project brings to the South Florida soccer table that the Inter Miami project doesn't, and that's something else that that site couldn't? Well, <clears throat> I think that the site is a spectacular place to build the greatest and I think it might sound very, sound very ambitious but I think it's the, uh, the site to build the greatest um, soccer venue or one of the greatest soccer venues in the United States uh, and you're going to think you know, why am I thinking so big or so large um, we work with teams from all over the country and teams from all over the world the, the eyes of the world right now are focused on Florida as the place where soccer will grow beyond anywhere. Uh, teams from Europe, teams from Asia, teams from South America, they'll want to come here and do their preseasons. They'll want to come here and develop their brands, do their marketing, play their friendlies. We have the most incredible weather. We have the most incredible sceneries. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Soccer X, but uh, at this last, the last uh, Soccer X was held here in Miami, and I, I sat down and talked to uh, people like Javier Tebas, who's the president of La Liga, and uh, other folks from FIFA and from UEFA, and I heard the same thing from everybody. Soccer is coming to the United States. Soccer is coming to Florida. This is where everybody wants to be, for many reasons. And so, since we've been working in the Florida market for many, many years, and we've had an opportunity to see what's available in Florida for soccer, uh, venue-wise and infrastructure-wise. Well, let me back up a little bit. So, I told you earlier in the town hall, we were involved in uh, Disney World. They have a great complex, the ESPN Wild World Sports, great complex, but it's multi-sport, and it's in Orlando, right? Um, IMG Academy in Bradenton, also great complex. But South Florida, Miami, Dade, Broward, Boca, Palm Beach. There's really no soccer-specific complex that caters <laughs> at the highest level. This is a situation where I honestly believe if you build it, they will come. I honestly believe. I'm talking to the, the other day, the mayor, uh, when we met with him the, to present him the project, he said, well, I have a vision. He says, I want a Lockhart Stadium to be the soccer venue for the world. I want people from all over the world to come to Lockhart and, you know, uh, train and play. And I said, Mr. Mayor, you know what? This is exactly my vision. I believe if we build a world-class facility and stadium here, it'll become a showcase for the world. We will bring all the top teams to train here to play here, we'll have all the best friendlies, we'll have a championship USL team, and we'll make this place uh, second to none. The market is here, and I'll tell you one last piece of data to answer your question. Uh, <clears throat> as we do these events in Disney, we have the you know, the tournament business I was talking about today um, during the town hall. The tournament business is a gigantic business. It's the number one growth uh, market in the tourism industry, right? so. There's millions and hundreds of millions of dollars generated by traveling soccer teams and tournaments and so forth. When we do the tournaments at Disney, or when Disney does the tournaments there, and we have our own academy running inside the complex, we had the opportunity to 
uh, approach the kids and do some, you know, sort of um, data gathering. And we found out, and this is something I'm, I don't know if many people know, because Disney certainly won't release it, 70% of all the teams, 70% of all the teams that play at the Disney tournaments come from South Florida, from Miami, Dade, and Broward. Uh, and when we asked the kids, would you rather play a tournament in Lockhart Stadium or drive four hours to Orlando? 100% of them said we'd like to have tournaments in this area. And the only reason there's no tournaments in this area is because there's no infrastructure. So we believe that Lockhart could be that infrastructure. Um, you had mentioned the idea of world class, the idea of creating a, a venue that would go above and beyond what would normally be expected for uh, a USL side, a yeah. side playing uh, in the second division of American soccer. In terms of the actual development of the stadium and the surrounding area, which, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a whole package, um, <clears throat> again, kind of focusing on your proposal, where do you think you can find the competitive advantages, go the extra, again, to, to, to borrow some, some cliches as well, go the extra mile to, to make your plan here at Lockhart be that kind of world-class facility so, where other comparable facilities in USL may not be? Well, I think th there's a lot to be said about the, the market. In other words, you know, you can, you, if you build a facility in a smaller market, you have your limitations. That's the truth of the, of the matter. I mean, like I mentioned earlier in your previous question, you have here a very desirable destination, right? So that we're, we, we, already, we are already in a favorable location, which means that we can be more ambitious because we'll attract better. You'll you have a hard time taking, you know, international teams to play in, in other states in the, you know, in the middle of the country. But everybody wants to come to Florida. Everybody wants to come to Miami or to Fort Lauderdale. So I think that'll give us the opportunity to attract top-level uh, teams. And we need to be up to the level of their requirements. So I think the facility has to be world-class because we're going to have world-class visitors uh, and I'm a big believer that uh, you cannot really you know expect to attract you know top quality visitors with uh, choose my language crappy facilities I mean if you want you know you, you build a five-star hotel you're gonna get great clients you know you build a one-star hotel you might not get the best clients I think up until now probably Lockhart Stadium was a one-star hotel so we'd like to be able to make it a five-star hotel and get the best you know teams uh, to come around and uh, and feel comfortable and happy to, to visit. Uh, you had mentioned that <clears throat> towards the end of the town hall this evening, uh, comparing the your proposal and the Inter-Miami proposal for the site, that the Inter-Miami proposal was a little bit more closed, that it was a little bit more inward-facing, a little bit more team-focused compared to community-focused. Yeah. Uh, which I think looking at the two bids is a, is a fair conclusion to come to. The thing that jumped out to me <clears throat> looking at your bid is not how different those two proposals are, but I, again, also to me, how similar I think. Again, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I find your proposal for Lockhart and the Inter-Miami proposal for Mel Reese Golf Course in Miami to be similar. To be very similar. Right. Uh, and so do, do you think that as this... As this proponent and, 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 and cheerleader, supporter for this proposal in Fort Lauderdale, that you see that Miami proposal as something that um, 
its success could lead to your success and your success could lead to their success, kind of proving this team and corporate meld uh, kind of funding and supporting one another? Look, I think the Miami proposal in Miami is an ambitious proposal. I think it's a it's a model that's been proven. You know, it's kind of the next thing in sports now where you build these facilities that are facilities with entertainment and, you know, very attractive. It's a, the mixture of sports and entertainment. They're just a fantastic combination. So I think their facility in Miami is a good project, uh, which I hope they'll be able to carry through. They're having, obviously, some difficulties now, as you probably know that you know, they're having a very hard time with the commissioners. The story and, of Miami. Yeah, the story of Miami. <laughs> and, it didn't, and it didn't help them at all, the fact that they promised the commissioners in Miami that they were going to have the, or their academy there and their offices there with their high-paying jobs, and they're bringing them to Fort Lauderdale now. So that they, they got themselves in an even bigger problem they already had by, you know, incursioning and uh, trying to, to to come into a different market and move part of what they'd offered Miami and do it here. Sure. <clears throat> so, to answer your question, I think our project and their projects, our project in, in Fort Lauderdale and their project in Miami are similar. Uh, and it's a concept of sports and entertainment and providing activities for everyone. I think their project, Inter-Miami's project in Fort Lauderdale, is a bit, and I, you know, I don't want to use a strong word, but I mean, it's a bit of a scam. They are looking to get free land, plain and simple, without offering anything in return. Because whereas in, in Miami, they are building something that will have a lot of activities and a lot of people from the community benefiting and using it, such as what we're trying to do here, their project in Fort Lauderdale is essentially giving me 30 acres of public land, let me pay you $1 a year, let me build my corporate offices, let me build my enclosed training facility, and you're not invited you for Lauderdale citizen to come into this party this is a private building on public land accessible only by the folks that work for the team and then they tell the city oh yeah but we are so nice we'll give you the other 30 acres so you can build your park well that's fantastic they're giving the city back their own land oh by the way you can also maintain that. Oh, and you can build your own community center. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually wondering, I mean, they might think that the folks in Fort Lauderdale are stupid because that's the kind of deal that they would be run out of town anywhere else. And let me add one more. We'll tear down the stadium because it's too expensive to rebuild. We'll tell you it's badly oriented. Yeah, granted, it's badly oriented, right? But they've been playing soccer there for 50 years. I brought some of the best teams in the world to play at Lockhart. Not one person complained about the orientation. So we're going to tear down the stadium because it's badly oriented. And we're going to build a modular stadium, which is a bunch of bleachers. And the day we get tired of this place, we'll just pack our bleachers and leave. So there'll be no Lockhart, no stadium, no nothing left. It'll just be their corporate offices. And there'll be zero benefit for the community of Fort Lauderdale or the town of Fort Lauderdale. So quite frankly, I think if they accomplish to be able to, to perpetrate the scam on the community of Fort Lauderdale, they are just 
geniuses because to me it makes absolutely no sense. I can't understand why anybody would buy that. You, of course, Lee, go no. ahead. I, I, Lee, I have, I have more sort of a, a footballing question here. Yeah. Sorry, I say football because I'm from a different yes. part. Yes, yeah. football and football. And <laughs> <laughs> it is FXE football. Um, I, 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 like, I like what I hear. And one thing that interested me was this whole thing about uh, the transfer revenues. Yeah. And you're entirely correct. It's, it's, an under, it's an underused revenue stream in this part of the world. Do you think that you can seriously entertain transfer business from Europe in the USL, with the standard of play in the USL? Not today, but in the near future, yes. Okay. So, what I mentioned, uh, and I always reference back to our town hall because we just had this town hall. So, <clears throat> the, the way that I believe the, the transfer market or the transfer business is going in the United States is that it's gonna transition from a sort of cemetery for players to a stepping stone for players. As you know, everyone that came to play at MLS, it was their last team. There was never, never a player that came, or a young player that came from anywhere to play in the MLS and then was traded to Europe. But now with the, the sort of latest sort of concept installed by Martino in Atlanta and these great players that are not being sold on their own at sort of 20 plus million, etc. I think they're going to start looking at that. And I think the USL is a much better uh, stepping stone for that business. Why? Because the, the MLS structure for a player ownership is, uh, well, it's basically the league owns the players, right? So the, the teams only get 20% of the revenue. So I ask you, you own a team, right? You're going to invest millions in buying young talent, millions in developing young talent, and the day you sell that talent, only 20% is yours, and the other 80% has to get uh, distributed among your competitors. So your motivation is really nil. So, uh, so I think that kind of, even though the MLS will start doing it now, I think it's not the right model. Whereas USL, you're the, 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 the team owner, you own the players, there's no salary caps. They're installing collective bargaining right now, this year. Up until there was not, not even collective bargaining. Um, but so this stimulates and motivates ownerships, ownership groups to be able to invest, buy young talents, develop them. I'm much more optimistic at developing young talents for European consumption at the USL level than I am at the MLS level in the long run. Um, just one real quick question, just to clarify something. Um, obviously, if you bring a, a player to Fort Lauderdale and you sell that player, the team will get, um, you know, the, the transfer fee or whatever. Right. Um, <coughs> do you have any interest in um, representing players or anything? In as much as would you profit personally from any of these sales? Are you looking to go into like agency, moving players on, or this is it? specifically to develop the club that you want to build here? No, obviously at, at the club ownership level I'm interested in the benefit of the club. Okay. I mean, obviously a lot of these players come with their own agents, you know, and they get a percentage commission on the transfer. But but that's not an interest that you have, you're not interested in that? No, not at all. No, not at all. No, we work with a lot of, we work with a lot of clubs directly. We work with some agents and uh, we are interested at the club level. Uh, and, and furthermore, like I said, the, the, the relationship that I've developed as a uh, 
match promoter and representative of teams is that I have direct line with the ownership groups or the management, top management of these South American clubs. You know, South American clubs are like European clubs. A lot of time they're not franchises, they're clubs. They're owned by the, but they have a, you know, a club president, which is voted and so forth. So my relationship is at that level. And then uh, that allows us to have access to those young talents and we can deal from club to club and then move those players. Okay, because sometimes that has been a problem before in that situation where, you know, um, American clubs have been used as a vehicle and people pick up the clubs to move their players through them. Yeah, that happened. That happened when, when the FIFA implemented the rules that, 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 you know, only allowed clubs to have you know, rights. and uh, um, But it's, it's really, in the United States, it's too expensive to buy and operate a club just to park players. So, really so, so, so the player sales would go back into running the club and of course yeah yeah like any like any European like any European club yes absolutely excellent uh, so uh, a couple more questions and we'll cut you loose you've had a long evening tonight um, the first question I had kind of follow up on something again we keep on referencing back to the town hall uh, I was able to grab some audio of that so I will be posting that uh, in our feed if you're curious about the, the whole discussion that I think is really worthwhile to hear from Mr. Reynal um, his views and and the views of fans and his reaction to those views, uh, not always uh, the friendliest. There there were a couple people who were a, a, coming from a perspective of pain, coming from what they had dealt with with the strikers. But to, to your credit, I think you you kind of assuaged some of the, that anger. Well, um, the the first question I have is a, is something I kind of brought up in the town hall, but I want to kind of look at it from a different perspective now and kind of go into your brain a little bit and the perspective of your group. So. Again, Miami perspective. We're coming from Miami uh, for a month. The only discussion about a youth academy in Miami, for Inter-Miami, was Amelia Earhart Park in Hialeah, which would follow along with the pattern that had largely been discussed. This, as you kind of mentioned, was a bit of a blindside, although you were pretty much ready to go. Um, What was your personal reaction when you heard that... This, because again, it all it dropped on all of our heads that basically this was being presented and there was going to be a commission meeting and this is a bing bang boom. What was your reaction when you heard that news? And considering your involvement with the with the Premier Parks proposal and on now on your own as FXE football, uh, how did you process that? Can I swear on your on your At, show? For you, absolutely. I swear all the time. Yes, all the time. <laughs> My first reaction was fuck. <laughs> I think the second one was, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, no, we were not expecting it at all. I mean, obviously. Um, but then when we got a chance to really analyze, I think it, it turned out to be a good thing because it accelerated the process. Um, it made it more competitive. And it allowed us or it forced us to, to, to sit around with, you know, with people from the community and business leaders and... Um, <laughs> And develop something that was probably a lot more community inclusive. You know, we had to choose which path to travel, uh, and uh, and and the Beckham group forces to to go down the let's get really involved at the community level and let's really find out what 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 people here in Fort Lauderdale want. So I think it's, it's it turned out to be a great thing. Tonight I'll give you an exclusive. Tomorrow there's going to be a press release coming out. We're partnering up with uh, Styles Corporation. 
you heard it here first. Okay. Styles Corporation is uh, going to be our development and construction partner for the project. And obviously, I don't have to tell you, they're very well respected in, in the community. So it's those kind of people that, uh, that I think, uh, you know, the Beckham thing brought to the table. You know, it got all these Fort Lauderdale businessmen to get really sort of up in arms and say, we can't allow this to happen. We can't allow these Miami folks to come here and take advantage of us. And we've had, you know, great support from some of the most important folks in Fort Lauderdale. So that's thanks to Mr. Beckham. <laughs> it is an interesting perspective because, as you said, there is, a, there is some... There is still some uh, provincial cosmopolitan dynamics between Fort Lauderdale and Miami, even though they're both major cities, kind of defensiveness between the two counties, between the two cities. So it is kind of an interesting perspective that you bring up that maybe it kind of threw some water in everyone's faces up here in Fort Lauderdale. Um, my, my last question, uh, we at Magic City Soccer, we have an affinity for the lower levels. We have an affinity for second division because really we started covering Miami FC and Miami United uh, back in the old NASL and, and Miami United when they were, are still in NPSL. And so you're proposing bringing uh, what I kind of look at as like a return to balance because in the old days before Miami FC, Miami United, it was the Strikers, it was NASL, yeah. and that was the center of soccer in South Florida for, for many years. Um, have you done any outreach to those clubs or any other lower level clubs in South Florida to kind of uh, get their feedback on what the experience is like? Are there any lessons that you plan to take from their experience that you want to apply to FXE football and its uh, plans in USL? Well, first of all, I, I had an opportunity to be you know, involved at the, the fan level and also knowing the, the ownership of both Miami FC and the Strikers. So I went to a lot of their games. Uh, so I, you know, I gathered as much information and data as possible to see what they did right, what they did wrong. Um, I think we're going to definitely reach out to everyone if we win this. I mean, it's, uh, my, my way of doing business is very inclusive. I, mean, I don't... One of the things that shocked me really about the, 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 the Beckham, um, the Beckham uh, folks, we want to call them, that, is that they're very arrogant. You know, uh, I, I don't believe in, in arrogance. You know, I don't believe that uh, anybody knows it all. You know, I think so. Um, I really feel that we need to reach out to everyone. We need to learn from everyone. You know, I've been, I've been, I, get, I have good soccer credentials. You know, I've, I've produced many matches with Messi. I've been in uh, in close proximity to him, and, and and you know, done matches with the top national teams around the world. I've been, I traveled with Maradona. I've, you know, I've been. Uh, but my level of arrogance is zero because, quite frankly, I just don't think it adds to nothing. So, I mean, obviously, I think I believe our philosophy, my philosophy is we'll sit down and talk to everybody. We will listen to everybody and we'll draw the best from everybody. We don't know everything. We don't expect to know everything. This is going to be a big challenge. I, I said it tonight. I think that the uh, um, USL franchises or the NASL franchises or all these you know second division franchises that you've been following um, have a complicated business model where it's hard to make money so people have been betting a long a lot for a long time on you know uh, valuation right? not it's not a revenue business right 
you make your money on the exit strategy. You, know, you buy low, and you know, USL franchises have you know increased by 50, I think, in the last 10 years. MLS franchises have increased by 10 uh, or more. Um, what I'd like to do with this is take a concept that is. You know, as you as you've seen with the Ricardo Silva's team and the, and uh, Ricardo Heromel here and the strikers, um, and 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 look at a new spin at it. How can we make money? How can we make operating cash flow on a USL franchise? So it's not just an exit strategy. I think the answer is basically first develop a strong player transfer market. No, that's second. First, develop a strong fan base, right? Maximize revenues on uh, fan attendance. Everything has to do with, as you well know, you know, ticket sales, concession revenues, etc., etc. Then look very hard into sponsorship revenues, TV rights, uh, then player transfer uh, fees, and finally, I don't know if I told you this or another another reporter inside. Um, you know, there's a new world coming in the United States with regards to sports betting. And the USL is very, very active to be, uh, to, to be able to capitalize on that. For starters, the number one revenue for European teams on sponsorships are all betting companies, yeah. right? So that will become an available tool for U.S. soccer franchises. So we like to capitalize on that. So I think we're going to have things coming down the road in the next few years that were not available to previous ownership groups, right? And I think if we capitalize on those, we build a big, strong fan base from the ground up, we could have a revenue model that, that would be profitable. It's a challenge, you know, but I think we could do it. Okay, so first off, uh, one thing that jumps out, uh, the, the phrase travel with Maradona, I feel like that's going to be a whole other podcast because there have to be good stories there. But I have the greatest Maradona story, story of all time, by the way. Okay, so... So I'll tell you that in the next podcast. Yes, you, yes, you leave him asking yeah. for can more. I, can I ask you one more quick question? Yeah, sure, yeah. go ahead, Lee. Did you ever play? Did you ever, did you ever play soccer? Oh, yes, I did, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I played at the college. At the college level, I played at Lynchburg College in Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Because that's one of my things about some of, the Beckham, some of those Beckham group people, they've never kicked a ball. So how can you understand the sport if you've never even kicked you're a soccer right. ball, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but you said you played college, over. Yeah, I played college. I played college and I, I got, I, unfortunately I got hurt. I, I used to play soccer and I used to love skiing and I was in a ski accident my soft, um, uh, sophomore year and then I had to leave soccer. But but I did play at the college level and, uh, and then I had a very, very passionate uh, father, who passionate about soccer father, who took me to every World Cup. So from age, I, I was I'm one of the few people that was at the uh, stadium when Argentina won in 1978 and in 1986. I was at both. I was wow. in Azteca in '86 and I was in uh, Buenos Aires in '78. So I got to see those two uh, those two matches live, and uh, and then of course I'll tease you with this, but I do have the greatest Diego Maradona World Cup story of all time. Okay, so, so again. I will tell you that next time. <laughs> Leave him wanting more. That was, that was the one thing. The second thing is the discussion of gambling and, and how that could affect team revenues. Uh, yeah. Particularly if you know anything about the rest of our staff, that will be another interesting discussion for another time because I think that's a whole other 
uh, kind of rabbit hole to go down and discuss because I'm, I'm very interested in that. Some yeah. other staff members will be as well. Um, but long story short, this is going to be an interesting few weeks as these two proposals are considered. And, uh, you know, we're not taking an editorial position on either side, but we wish you as much luck as we can uh, without fit taking favors. And we do really appreciate your time. Uh, John Raynell, uh, again, we really do appreciate it. And uh, we'll sign off here for now. Uh, so until next time, uh, go competitive government bidding and go Miami and for tonight for Lauderdale Soccer.